0: as white Christians in these pandemic times, the pandemic of COVID-19 and the centuries long pandemic of white supremacy. This podcast is a project of showing up for racial justice faith program, Surge Faith, and is particularly designed for white Christians, white Christians talking to other white Christians about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy where we find it, including in our own Christian tradition. And we do this work remembering we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the Freedom Movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014 being led by minister Daryl J. Walker. And we are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. The word is resistance. I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a United Church of Christ minister and I'm the faith coordinator for showing up for racial justice, Surge. I live in the place currently called Buffalo, New York here in the homelands of the Haudenosaunee and Erie peoples. For Lent, we've been offering some special conversations with our contributors, and I'm so excited today to have Blythe Barno back with us. Blythe has been one of our contributors for a long time, and she's just so brilliant and full of heart and love and joy, and I'm just so glad you're here today, Blythe, and that we get to talk together.
1: Thank you so much. So good to be with you all again, and I get to chat with you this morning. How lucky (laughs) am (laughs) I? Even though it's early. (laughs) Even though it's early. Yeah. For folks uh, at home, my name is Glythe Barno. My pronouns are she, her, and today I'm talking to you from Hopewell Land, what is now called Newark, Ohio in Central Ohio. Uh, I spend my days working with Faith and Public Life as their harm reduction faith manager, where I work to bring people who use drugs and faith leaders together to end the racist war on drugs. I also serve on Surge National's leadership team and am pursuing ordination in the United Church of Christ. So that is a little about me. In these Lenten conversations, we're practicing self-reflection and community with each other. What can we learn from each other, from our mistakes and misperceptions, from our own places of pain, and also our places of joy, healing, and hope? Which might guide us in this time as white Christians working for racial justice? What ways of being and belonging, meaning making and ministry, spiritual practices and movement practices can help us move towards God's, towards God and towards community, towards God in community, maybe? Mm. Mm. The late Dr. Vincent Harding, elder and leader in the Black freedom movement, often spoke of live human signposts people in our lives who can help us find the way towards greater wholeness and multiracial democracy. This Lent, we look towards each other, to the scripture, and to the live human signposts in each of our lives to
0: guide our path forward. Our text today um, is from John chapter three, Gospel of John chapter three, and includes one of the most famous, famous famousest Verses that <laughs> we'll see. Um, which ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Might <make> spit <laughs> our teeth a little bit. <laughs> um but hopefully we will give us some some good stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. So Blythe and I are gonna read uh, read this selection, John chapter three, uh, fourteen through twenty-one. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God
1: did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil for all who do evil, hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in god
0: for those of you who you may not know this, but it's like not even nine o'clock in the morning yet. And Blythe and I are going to have a conversation about a text that has caused <laughs> a lot of trouble over the course of, of Christian history. This, this particular verse from John, but also these kind of stark, um, uh, polemical feeling binaries, um, and if you've listened to this podcast at all over the years, and you've heard me take on John, you always hear me say that John gives me fits, this gospel gives me fits. Um, it's the hardest one for me to to deal with because of these, the starkness of this, of these, uh, these binaries. And so, Blythe, I'm just going to, I'm going to hand it to you of like, what do you think is going on in this passage? Yeah. What stands out to you?
1: Yeah. Well, first thing first is I'm just so impressed at John 3:16's ability to sell embroidered throw pillows. That's the first <laughs> thing I'm in my mind is I'm just like, "Oh, I get to sit with this passage today." <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> but really what what struck me when I was preparing for today is I realized as much as, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and I definitely have seen those throw pillows and you know reclaimed wood with the passage on it. You know, everywhere uh, the cracker barrel kind of decor mm. uh, real in my world. And um, so I'm familiar with this passage, but when I was preparing, I realized that I'd never really sat down and on purpose read John three seventeen, the next passage. Mm. And I was really struck by the first part of that. Which just says, God did not send the Son, did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, mm. and so often John three sixteen is used to condemn others that mm. <laughs> um, there's some guilt uh, associated with it, or has been in in my life where it's like, listen, Jesus died for you, so you really got to get it together mm. um, and and so I just found it very validating and I, I felt it in my chest of like, oh yeah, that's not, that's not what this is about. Uh, God didn't send us Jesus to live, um, you know, to learn through Jesus's example, uh, to condemn us. But, and, you know, I think everybody has their different practice of reading scripture and understanding scripture, uh and I wasn't brought up in a very religious household. And, um, so I feel a lot of freedom to take what I like and leave the rest. I feel a lot of freedom to, um, see what God is saying to me, uh, through the text and, and reinterpret. And so, uh, you know, even the rest of that 317, uh, You know, it says God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And I think traditionally that's understood as being saved in an atonement theology way of being saved through his crucifixion. Um, But I think I find that I'm saved and I think that there's ways in which our community together um, can build collective salvation and learning through his example. Mm. His
0: crucifixion.
1: Mm. Um, so that's what stuck out for mm. me when I first was sitting with it.
0: Mm. Yeah, I like I like where you ended there with the salvation, like through doing what Jesus did, mm-hmm. and and it reminds me that that this the origins of this word of you know might be saved. So being saved or salvation is really about wholeness and healing. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And Mm -hmm. so that, that, you know, Jesus came so that we could find wholeness and healing. And then I, you know, I would want to add like, in the context of like imperial domination, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, that there is a way for the, for the collective, the community to find, to find healing Mm -hmm. and to be whole. Even yeah. in the context of, of terrible things happening. Yeah. And I think that's part of
1: what these conversations and this podcast seeks to do is, you know, part of one of the biggest <clears throat> barriers to wholeness is white supremacy.
0: Mm.
1: White supremacy fractures. White supremacy divides. White supremacy flattens. Um, it doesn't allow that wholeness. It doesn't allow that flourishing.
0: Yeah. Well, and that that makes me think of what I was sitting with this morning as I was reading the text, which which are these binaries that feel very stark and fractured, even in just this little piece of text that we have, you know, the, the believers and non-believers and the, the ones who love, it says in John, the, the people who love darkness rather than light. And we want to name like the use of darkness to signify evil is not something that that Blythe and I um, mm-hmm. choose to to use uh, because of the way that darkness is and as evil has been mapped onto bodies and used, you know, mm-hmm. to commit all kinds of atrocities. So we want to take care with our language around that. So, like people who, I don't know, um, something else chose something else rather than love, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the splitting apart it seems and that that of well there's this kind of people and this kind of people mm-hmm. so then like how do we um how do we like make sense of god loves the whole world jesus came for for us to have like wholeness and healing from the things that fracture us but using this language that seems to anyway just create more division. Yeah. Um and certainly that that's what this this text in particular especially 316 um but also the text around it and in this whole chapter um chapter 3 uh, up through verse 21 that we read today which is um this whole conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus who is a Pharisee who's supposed to be supposed to be in like traditional christian understanding nobody can see me making the air quotes on the zoom <laughs> i can see um, <laughs> <it. I win. laughs> um was you know it was supposed to be the enemy the one that jesus was against mm-hmm. and yet here they are having this conversation that we're kind of taught is you know some kind of loaded like angry polemical i keep using that word i don't know that that's the best word but you know, us versus them, Jesus versus Pharisees kind of conversation. And really it's just the kind of conversation a rabbi would have had with another Jewish person Mm -hmm. around how to make sense of what was happening and make sense of text, and, and make sense of practice. It's actually like a, just a very, it doesn't have to be this kind of charged conversation. And so, you know, so I was left thinking about like, what are these binaries for? Mm-hmm. what purpose are they serving and in in this both in this text but also more broadly in john because john is just it's rife with these kinds of setups that feel very much like us versus them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, i have thoughts about that but i don't know you look like you you have a thought so well, I,
1: to... I guess the two quick thoughts is one is uh As you were speaking, I was like, oh, this seems like such a clear case of, um, you know, there's been so many times where I've learned something and I'm like, oh, I've really got it. And then I go to communicate it. And when I communicate it, it's so clearly (laughs) I don't (laughs) have it. Um, So, you know, I had a moment of compassion for the, you know, for John, the composite of, of this text of like, you missed it. (laughs) You tried so hard, but you missed it. Um, And then also had thinking about what, what could the binary offer us? Like what could, what could be useful? And um, in some ways, there's this way in organizing communities that I see this tool happen to, to different levels of effectiveness of naming the stark reality of where we are, Mm. And then getting the vision of where we want to go. And I wonder if there's some way in in my uh, deconstructionist (laughs) practice, you know, (laughs) I wonder if there's some way that uh, that could be useful for us. That frame Mm. here of because when I, you know, evil is not a word that works for me. Mm. Uh, And for me, usually the words that that fall into place better are something like shame or violence Mm. Um, and so if this text is saying like here's what happens when you live in shame here's Mm -hmm. what would happen if you were free of it Um, those were just the things that that came to mind
0: that can be a little chill to hear it like that Mm -hmm. what happens when we live in shame here's what happens when we're free of it Mm -hmm. is there some way you know part of the
1: series in this Lenten time is is thinking about uh, you know being real that our desire to address white supremacy as white people um, we learn things and then when we try to communicate them often we miss (laughs) we miss (laughs) the part Um, (laughs) or we think you know even as I spend my day as an organizer. So even as organizers, we're trying to do the quote unquote work. Um, but we can be pretty condemning in it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, and that condemnation, uh, pushes people into shadow, into Mm -hmm. shame. And, uh, when I read this scripture, uh, you know, 319, uh, says, and this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Mm. And I heard so much of our electoral framing in that of Mm. progressive and leftist folks. And, uh, you know, in my experience, folks who have a lot of class privilege or academic privilege, or live in coastal spaces, which I say is somebody who lived for 12 years in the Bay Area
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and love all my Bay Area people. <laughs> um, and I, I read that first part, and this is the judgment, not as this is the condemnation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The scripture just told us that Jesus there, didn't yeah. come to condemn. Um, and so I read it more as like an assessment is the that we make. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the assessment that we make is that those people in the Midwest and the South, which Mm. usually we're talking about working class and poor white people, uh, our assessment is that those folks love the darkness because there's something in them so corrupt or so evil or so ignorant uh, that they would rather live in darkness that work towards the light of transformation that we're offering them, you know? And, And really it's just, we haven't listened fully uh, and we've come into this work with this judgment, with this assessment, where of course we're missing what they're offering us. So. Um, um, in your face.
0: Yeah. Gosh, that's that. <clears throat> I'm like, all. Emotional, just hearing it put that way, you know, being, being from the South. And I've been thinking a lot, wrestling a lot um, for, for several months, um, several months now, you know, what do I carry around as a Southerner? Mm. What kind of shame do I carry around as a Southerner who, who, you know, left as a kid? had to change a lot about myself to not um, like even the way I talked to try to avoid being a target of things and to hear, you know, just all throughout my life, you know, it's the, you know, it's the South's fault that we're this way, you know, Mm -hmm. Southerners, you know, I'm from Arkansas. The jokes about Arkansas are just, Mm -hmm. you know, people say to my face Mm -hmm. and like that shit doesn't help yeah and to just hear you put it that way just now just really like just you know maybe it's because i'm not entirely awake and like <laughs> extra vulnerable i haven't put on my whole armor of the day yet but it, it caught me it got me and um um but it it and it and it makes me think about what I was thinking about also this morning with these, you know, these binaries in John. Um, you know, I was sitting with the question of what are they serving for the story that John is trying to tell, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> like reminding myself uh, that the the strongest words that John has um it, it, in in the story are for the Jewish religious leaders that sold out to Rome you know it's not for the common people mm-hmm. it's not a condemnation of Judaism mm-hmm. it is it's you know those of you who sold us out to Rome and we remember this gospel is like written after the destruction of the temple and in the, so in the aftermath of all this trouble and <clears throat> what we have done with it is turned our attention away from Rome and made it about the people Mm -hmm. who are trying to make sense of what has happened to them and made it seem like the people are blaming each other, which may also be a little bit of what's going on, but also Jesus is talking to a Pharisee who's Nicodemus who turns out to be his ally who advocates for him Mm. in front of some of these, you know, collaborators. And he's, this this community that gets built up in, in in this gospel in particular is like this blend of, you know, um, a, a class blend, a, an ethnic blend with Gentiles and Samaritans and Jewish people and and all different kinds of people. So so there's it's there's something different going on than just a blanket condemnation of humanity. Mm-hmm. And if we can figure out if we're the good ones over here, because we believe in Jesus and everybody else is, you know, of the darkness or which I don't even like, why am I saying that? Of the paleness is Adrian Ree Brown. Mm-hmm. That's her, her language um, of the paleness uh, and condemning. And so we we end up doing that same division, reinforcing that same division that white supremacy asks of us. Mm -hmm. we're the good ones it must be working class people it must be all the white evangelicals it must be the southerners they're just you know they're just you know can't be saved yeah
1: we're trying to bring them to the light and they just
0: won't come it just won't come yeah yeah and i I feel that resentment of being told that mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know ignorant backwards Mm -hmm. you know and and loading. why, you know, <laughs> why some folks would be like, you know, I mean, it was ingrained to me when I was little. So, you know, watch out for those Yankee carpetbackers who are going to come down and tell, tell us how to live and take all our resources back up north of the Mason Dixon line. Like that's a real dynamic that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, as we're talking I'm like and that is not what this text is about no it's not trying to set us up to figure out who is us and who is them who are the good ones and who are not
1: yeah and in some ways there's there's something I feel like there's something about listening here and it's never said um in the text but something that's Standing out to me of what I'm learning from it. And, you know, my, I was raised in Northeast Ohio. My partner was raised in Southern Indiana. And uh, I was like, oh, I get to be with a fellow Midwesterner. But the reality is, Southern Indiana is a mix of Southern and Midwestern. Mm. And um, so I love Southerners and I love Midwesterners. So I got the best of both worlds. <laughs> <I'm> very lucky. <laughs> um, but you know i hear how my partner talks and then i go home to their family and i hear how their family talks and their family has a drawl and they don't and mm. it's that they they taught themselves out of it mm-hmm. um, for some of the same reasons i heard you say of yeah. wanting to be free of judgment and um and i think particular i wonder i guess i i don't know but i wonder if that is particularly true in left leaning um, progressive spaces and queer spaces uh, where, where folks um, pin their hurt on folks that they came from.
0: Mm.
1: So that's something I'm, I'm thinking about, but also when I was preparing for today, uh, when I read scripture, especially when I'm reading a specific passage, I try to read a little before and a little after to mm-hmm. give myself some context Me to, And, um, yeah, I think it's awesome practice. Thank you, seminary, for teaching me that. (laughs) Um, but in... And let's
0: face it, the lectionary editors like to drop us down into the middle of conversations where we have no idea why in the world Jesus is talking about Moses raising serpents up on a stick. Like, why? (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's like when you're at
0: a party and you turn
1: into the kitchen and you're like, whoa, what I (laughs) missed." Um... Yeah, well, in John three eleven, you know, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we've seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? And for me, reading it in this kind of question of, you know, who's the enemy uh, is, is something hmm. that he said, Earlier to me, and and this uh, assumption that a lot of white, well-meaning—I guess maybe, maybe they're well-meaning—a <laughs> uh, lot of white folks, progressive white folks, land on that it that it's other white people, that it's poor and working-class white people mm. um, are the enemy. Uh, we get so confused. We miss empire, like you said, mm-hmm. altogether. All and um, so when I heard Jesus. In this passage you know i live in um where my home is isn't rural but i live in a rural county and i get to work with rural organizers a lot um uh, many of whom are working class not all of them and i heard their voices in this of when when we're organizing and building base and um and when we're trying to build broad coalition there i see who those folks are willing to work with and who they're not Mm. And who they're willing to work with are folks who, when they share what they know, when they share what they've seen, when Mm. they share about the earthly realities, they're believed. Mm. That's who they work with. And that's who they share their sacred gifts with. Mm. And I think as, you know, I'm I'm painting in very broad strokes, which we know is not always most (laughs) (laughs) helpful, But... um, (laughs) You know, I think as the left, we we have a lot to learn in that passage of people in the South and the Midwest are telling us what they need. Mm-hmm. They're telling us what the reality is on the ground. Um, and we don't accept their testimony.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We decide it's about something else. So then they go and they turn Georgia blue without us is what happens. <laughs> They still have those gifts. They still have those heavenly things. Yeah. So then we get to sit back and be like, oh my gosh, who knew? Who well, knew? they knew. <laughs> they knew all along. Yeah. But we didn't listen. So we I missed it. Those we those didn't get
0: to to it. <laughs> we went and turned Georgia blue without them.
1: Yeah. Oh. Um, so and when we think about, you know, where are we falling short in uh, organizing with other white folks or bringing white folks into the work to undo white supremacy part of where we're falling short is forgetting that white supremacy is what we're organizing against not other white people
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I'm reminded of this conversation there was a poem I meant to bring it um, that um, you know a conversation that we had in surge in a meeting where both you and I were at and this refrain um, came up, we, we crafted a poem together. And um, the question was posed, what if we organized out of love of our people, and not mm. fear of our people? Mm. Yes, I think that that is where a lot of folks land is they land in fear, they want to, and, and my gracious pastoral heart, it, you know, I think, um, understands that that's a desire to be free of hurt. Mm-hmm. Are free of pain, um, distance themselves from harm. That was real harm that was done. Uh, and I get that. Uh, and I've been there and also, uh, it is, um, I don't want to make it sound too simple cause it's not, but I found it to be very transformative to, um, uh, orient towards, uh, Love of the people that I come from, Mm
0: -hmm. even if
1: I have to have boundaries in my relationships to them.
0: Yeah,
1: what did I wish that they had uh, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in order to love me better or in order to love the world better? Mm -hmm. Do I wish for them as opposed to um, wanting to be so opposite of them? Mm. So that's an important journey that I'm. I'm still walking that road, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> so yeah, not there, but
0: yeah. yeah rather than being opposite of them. that line of that of that poem, what if we organized our you know out of love for our people instead of fear of our people? I remember when Danielle when read that poem and I, and I was like messaging you in private like. Oh, my goodness! <laughs> yeah, we need to bring that into our podcast because I don't even know if I remember that it was on this particular text, but it it fits so well with with the theme that yeah. we're, that we're wrestling with, you know and Would you like me to find it? I can try to find it. Yeah, sure. Okay. let me. <clears throat> And it, while you do that, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to remind folks who are listening that, you know, we're talking, to, we've talked a lot about like in organizing spaces and on the progressive spaces and, and left spaces. But, but this is also true in the church, you know, in the white Christian church, like we, we can't let ourselves off the hook, which is, you know, really part of the point of these, of these conversations that, that the white church has done the same thing. It has, it has um, you know, how, how many meetings was I at when I was Presbyterian where, you know, they were fighting over LGBTQ ordination and everybody blamed the South for the Presbyterian church not, not being able to, to pass, you know, whatever amendment it was at the time and uh, to to be able to ordain LGBTQ people. And like, I'm sitting right there like, hello, queer Southerner. Like, it's not this simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the way in which we, you know, as, as white Christian churches have not invested in poor and working class white communities. We have not invested in the South. I did research on this couple of years ago for our southern organizing project and like there is no there is no unless it's like a like a mission we're going to go help those poor people but there is not investment in white poor and working class leadership in white rural you know churches and congregations Mm -hmm. you know they're they're lucky if they get a student pastor who will stick around more than a year like where is the investment in in the leadership and the and the thriving um you know the, the UCC doesn't have that. Um, there was not a denomination that I could find easily, anyway, that actually invested. Yeah. Um, in 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 people, and I think that that reflects this kind of this this broken place where it's it's easy to feel like we're we are the good ones. Those of us who you know are are not from those communities. We're middle class, or we're not from the south, like or from, from you know, Midwest working-class communities, then, then, you know, then we're the ones who have made it. And the rest of y'all, backwards people, you know, good luck. like Yeah. Well, and I, I'm struck by the
1: fact, like, invest, there's, there's very little investment, but there is a lot of extraction. <laughs> oh, there, there is a lot of, like, uh, you know, What would, what would our churches be, our progressive churches be without Martin Luther King? (laughs) You know, if we, if we took the ability to, to quote Southerners uh, Mm. out Mm. from places of worship, Mm. how would we communicate our values? We'd probably struggle. (laughs) <laughs> so we're okay extracting that from the oh episode,
0: wow,
1: but we're not going to invest in what made that organizing that wisdom those spiritual gifts possible.
0: I never thought about that, and that's that's like white supremacists, yeah, right. That ext- extraction, mm-hmm. just an extraction. We'll we'll exploit your words. We'll extract your words, but we'll never pay you for them. We'll never pay you for. Them. <laughs>
1: Oh, and, you know, and there's so many ways to invest in a community. There's of course, financial investment and there's people investment, but there's also, you know, it's an investment to believe people when they yeah. tell you what's happening. Yeah, It's an investment to say, you're probably right. We'll do it your
0: way. Yeah. You <laughs> would um, know better than we would.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, all of that is an investment. In Relational
0: investment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah um so we're we're happy to to extract the parts that spark our um inspiration um or tickle our funny bone Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: or whatever but then but there's no relationship there and Mm -hmm. when you just take you know there's a word for that (laughs) there's a word for that there's a couple words for that yeah So.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: what do you think about
0: the poem i can read the i found it um do you have any other thoughts about like what are what are you going to take with you mm-hmm. from the conversation and then maybe we can finish this section with that poem and and then and, and offer the closing
1: I think the the things that I'm really going to take with me is that, um, you know, for me, Jesus was a spiritual teacher. Um, Jesus is also an organizer and, Mm -hmm. and that's how I relate to him. Um, so really what's going to stay with me is that spiritual teachers and organizers were not brought into this world to condemn. (laughs)
0: Mm
1: that is not why we're here. That is, that is not our purpose. And that's not what God is asking of us. Mm. Um, You know, I think what God is asking of us is that, you know, and love becomes this such a trite word and it really irritates me because it's it's a useful word um, in its true meaning. But I think when we, when we love each other, when we invest in each other, uh, when we build those relationships, we pull people out of shame,
0: uh,
1: to the light, uh, that is, um, you know, that last part, but those who do what is true come to the light. Well, we build the kingdom, the kingdom, uh, together. And so we build that together, uh, then we're brought into this transformation into this um, space of abundance and possibility, which is what, what I think that light is speaking to. Mm. Um, And when we do that together, we get to see a little more clearly. We get to perceive a little more clearly
0: Mm. Mm. what I'm taking. Mm. Yeah. I I think, just you know, being in conversation with you has helped me so much with this text. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take all of that and, and, the, and like maybe even <clears throat> when we're able to, to live in into this, in in this way, like we're pulling ourselves out of our own shame. Because mm-hmm. that deflection, that holding people at a distance, is also about like our own shame, right? Mm-hmm. So Maybe part of it is like. Pulling our own selves out of the, the places of shadow, out of the places of shame, um, out of the places of fear, the, the you know, the, the line from the poem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, we have to do that together. Um, and so the reminder to me of, you know, be clear about who the enemy is and it's not us. hmm you know, it's it's not our, our siblings. It's not who we're taught that it is. Yeah. And we were taught about this text that the enemy was a certain group of people, and that was actually a lie. Yeah. Actually. Mm-hmm. Um, once the Roman Empire was in charge of Christianity, why in the world would you want <laughs> this text to be about, you know, <laughs> condemning the Roman Empire? Yeah.
1: That doesn't really work for that us. That doesn't
0: work. So... <laughs> We're going to make it about, you know, infighting and, you know, which is not to say there weren't tensions or disagreements, but that's just like human. There's tensions and disagreements in movement work in churches like all the time. Yeah. Um, But we together, you know what you said, like, we're not here to condemn. That's not our job. That's not our work. Mm -hmm. That's not even God's work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm reminded actually, it's literally staring at me in my face. So this little story of, you know, I, I work with faith leaders and I work with denominations and um, all around people who use drugs and, and the drug war. And there's a lot of judgment there, Mm -hmm. a lot of shame there. There's a lot of condemnation there, Um, you know, and condemnation in terms of You know, distorted morality, but also literal condemnation and imprisonment and incarceration and removing people's children. And, um, you know, those judgments have real, very real consequences. Mm -hmm. And so I was speaking to a group of folks the other day. I was invited. um, (laughs) I'm like, how much to share? Uh, I was invited (laughs) to speak at this group. And I was invited to speak in a section, they, they were doing a pastoral ethics um, training around substance use and addiction. And I was invited to speak on this section titled, How to Avoid Enabling Drug Addicts. <laughs> oh, and I was like, you chose me.
0: <laughs> you chose me to come. Oh, uh, interesting. To this conversation. There's so much judgment just in that title.
1: Yeah. I was like, how to say that the title of your pastoral ethics training is unethical. How do I do that? Um,
0: not pastoral either. <laughs> not pastoral.
1: <laughs> and so I had this moment and, um, uh, right now I get to be part of the Ann Braden program, uh, with the catalyst project as, as a facilitator. And we just reviewed the teachings of Ann Braden. If, and if folks aren't familiar with her, I encourage you to look her up. Um, And one of the lessons that we learned from Anne's life is not to stand on the sidelines to, to step in and sit in the mess a little bit.
0: Mm.
1: And so, you know, I got this invitation and I was like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I'm not talking there. Mm. And then I thought about that teaching from Anne and I was like, what does it serve for me to step out?
0: Uh, mm. Of
1: that conversation, and and I had this moment of being like, my no to that conversation would actually just be rooted in my not wanting to be tainted by their misunderstandings. Oh, that I I didn't want to be associated with those people. <laughs> that so that if I don't want to be associated with those people those white people those folks who don't get it those whatever whom I left to talk to it's a pretty small pool Mm -hmm. and it's a pool that doesn't um, move things forward in the way that I say I'm committed to Mm. so I said yes to the conversation knowing that there may be some folks who might be upset by what I would bring but they asked me and I remembered God sent them to me. (laughs) God asked me. Um, so I said, yes. And before I got on, I was so nervous and was like, I don't know, because people were sharing personal testimony. And when you're talking about substance use, shame is just everywhere. And, Mm. um, to refute things that were shared in a person's personal testimony, just exacerbates shame. So how do you do that? Yeah. Um, So I was really nervous and I remembered this prayer and mantra from Renee Brown that she shared and she was talking about talking to like big fancy fortune 500 people and she said that before she gets on stage she says to herself people 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 they're Mm. just people Um, and for her it's equalizing in in terms of like pushing back on imposter syndrome and mm. all of that. But I literally, why I say it was staring in the face, folks at home can't oh. see. I wrote it on a post-it note that morning because when I, my desire to say no, my desire to not connect was, um, was yeah, rooted in not wanting to be tainted by other people's misunderstandings, but it was also because I was afraid of them. Mm. <laughs> and mm. So when I sat down, I was like, they are just people, Mm -hmm. meaning they can't hurt me. Uh, I mean, of course, we know that's not true. But in the in the prep self-talk, you know, know, they can affect my my um, my my day to day realities. Um, But also, they're just people and they're learning Mm -hmm. just like I am. Mm. And so what if I have something to learn? that conversation and what if i have something to offer in that conversation so i wrote people 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 on the post-it and i set it on my computer screen so that when i started to get overwhelmed i could remember we're all just people talking to each other trying to build relationship and understanding and it's really easy to make it more complicated than that but Mm. it's that's actually what's happening (laughs) that's the root of it people talking to people trying to get God's will a little more right than we did yesterday.
0: Yeah. Um, In the conditions that are really terrifying. Yeah. And, and which circles us back to John's gospel, people talking to people, you know, trying to figure out the next best faithful thing to do Mm -hmm. in conditions that were really terrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah people 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 just people why don't we take a break and um, a little music break and come back for the closing sounds good so to close we're gonna um Blythe is gonna offer us this poem that she mentioned um just a few moments ago so go ahead Blythe
1: thanks so this poem was created by some members of the uh surge LT and leadership team and uh I'll share it and I know that I will not read it as well as Pam did but I know God gives me grace
0: amen (laughs)
1: What is possible when we organize out of love for our people instead of fear of them and not just fear, hate can't organize people. You don't like hate even we are not here by accident. 11 years of cumulative work, grinding, chipping, thinking, planning, trying, growing, we do not go to grandma's house empty handed. We show up with something. Accountability, not just a lofty idea. It's real, has substance, matters. Is this harsh? No, it's reality. Base and power are possible now. What is possible when we organize out of love for our people instead of fear of them? These new priorities fit in the simple, bold statement of who we are, who we've always been, love, rigor, and righteous rage. This political moment is ripe. Everything has brought us to this moment, naming these political priorities, working off so much ground gained by the abolitionist movement. It's harder to live under white supremacy unexamined. It costs you more living in inside white supremacy is lonely. We live inside the transformation. Mm. We are not asking if not now, when we are the now, the dishes are done. We were made for such a time as this, a time such as this made us. Mm. Organizing, organizing, organizing is the only way. We had to grow to this priority and everyone helped us get there, building a base and developing leadership rooted and ready to grow power. We move in the service of the joy of transformation and reject the suffering of supremacy. Momentum, alignment, alignment, alignment. We honor those before us by moving through the portals to change they created. And we know movement is made through organizing, growing grassroots to alter the whole landscape, a generative time, our love for each other. This is what is possible when we organize out of love for our people, instead of fear of them. And
0: that
1: was written by Aaliyah Anisi. Me, Carla, Casey, Hillary, and Pam. Mm, mm,
0: mm.
1: So grateful for all of them.
0: Yes. So grateful for all of them and for you. And for you. Grateful for you. So what we're asking folks to do as the call to action um, for this week's episode is to to reflect like with your people. That's part of the point of this. Like, get your people together safely, (laughs) safely (laughs) 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 on Zoom, double mast, six feet apart, whatever. Um, But get your people together somehow and ask each other what if we organized out of love for our people instead of fear of them? Mm -hmm. What would be different? What would be possible? And also ask yourselves, like, when you seek condemnation, what are those times when you feel that coming on, that that desire to condemn rather than to understand or to go deeper with someone, what's going on for you then? What's something different that you could do, um, a different move that you could make um, rather than condemnation?
1: Can I add one thing? Yes. Sometimes having markers for things is helpful for me to remember remember things. So I invite folks, every time they see a cross-stitch pillow with John 3.16, think about John 3.17. <laughs> <laughs> yes. this, you'll have a lot of chances to remember, depending on where you live.
0: Every time you see the sign pop up behind home plate, now that it's about to be baseball season. Yeah. <laughs> you can say, but John 3, Oh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Thank you so much, Blythe, for being in conversation today. I just appreciate you so much. Um, yeah. Same thing. So grateful for you. Um, and thanks to all of you um, who are joining us from wherever you are on this skirt earth. We would love to hear from you um, by commenting on our SoundCloud or Twitter or Facebook pages. And we'd love to hear from you about how we're doing, you know, especially from folks of color and non-Christian folks who may be checking us out. So next week we'll have a resistance word which will be the last of these Lenten conversations. And this will be with Seth Wispelway and Alan Steele which should be very, uh, very exciting um, as well. You can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org. And our podcast lives on SoundCloud. Search on the word is resistance. We also just got on Spotify, which makes me feel like, I don't know, we're all grown up now or something. I don't know. So give us a like or rate us or whatever you do on these platforms um, to to show us some love. The transcripts are available on our website, which include references, resources, action links. The poem will be part of this uh, transcript, so you have access to that. And finally, a big thanks to Matt Reno, who's our sound editor for this week. So send us off with a blessing, Blythe. Okay. Join with me in prayer.
1: Dear God, help us move through this week as people of encouragement, truth, and kindness. May we welcome one another instead of passing judgment. May our love be bold enough to pull us all from the sidelines and into the center of God's love and justice for us and for the world. For this is how we build the kingdom. Amen. Amen.
0: I shine, you love